the warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, my name's Rob. I work in Key Stage 2 in a school in Buckinghamshire, and I've taught all the way from Year 3 up to Year 6. Hi, I'm Helen. Um, I am also a teacher in Buckinghamshire, and I'm currently teaching Mixed Reception Year 1. And today we are exploring what maths we can teach with a retelling of Hans Christian Andersen's classic, The Little Mermaid. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Dancing Mermaid. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the magnificent Mario Coelho, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. There are even some tips there for telling the story yourself and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, including any extra lesson ideas that we don't have time to fit into this podcast. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Helen, Rob and our young mermaid as we explore the maths that we can teach with this story. Um, who wants to kick us off here? Who found plenty of, of numbers in the tale? Well, I've got two things. That's I've a number. I've got one. Okay. I've got one. Ooh, okay. And in total, that's three. So we're going well. <laughs> Excellent. There's already some maths involved here. Early years maths. <laughs> uh, well, let's start with you then, Rob. Ages seven to 11. Um, what was the first of your two maths things? The first one I thought of was to do with measurement and to do with measuring capacity. Um, hmm. So with volume, it's all to do with the... the how we measure liquids and there is quite a lot of the liquid involved in this story mm. so um i would link it to to that and say well, how are we going to measure it how could we i would set probably year five or six so the upper end of key stage two a challenge and say okay well how much water is there in uh, the north sea if this story <laughs> takes place from Denmark. How many teaspoons De of water are in yeah. the North Sea? There you go. That will get them, keep them going for a year, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that would pull in all kinds of different strands of learning. You'd have to locate where the North Sea is. You'd have to locate um, mm. which countries are around it. Where, where do we define the North Sea to and from? Does it go all the way to the top? Does it, and all kinds of things like that. And then different ways that we can measure uh, capacity should we use a standard measurement or should we use a non-standard measurement you could then explore that in class by saying okay well this cup holds seven pencil sharpener cups full of water and how can we relate that to a measure that people in other countries can use and just explore it all that way yeah i think the north sea would hold quite a few of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd probably need quite big pencils wouldn't you Certainly, there's there's going to be a science discussion involved there as to how you actually learn the depth of the North Sea. Woohoo! <laughs> Cross curricular learning with maths, <laughs> and then you can bring in: Do we convert between liters and milliliters? What would it be if we found out that it held thirty-seven liters? I know it doesn't. Just disclaimer, mm. but <laughs> if it only held thirty-seven liters, how would we write that in milliliters? Um, mm -hmm. 
Is there a bigger measure than a litre? Would be an interesting point of discussion. For example, we have kilograms and grams, and we have we litres have and milliliters. Is there such mm. thing as a kiloliter? There, there must be, surely. Oh, you I would like to know think now. so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't, milliliters. I don't know either. <laughs> litres. Surely there must be. Mm. I'm going to oh. find out. Okay, do it. Part of like year five, year six curriculum is um, using metric and the imperial mm. measurement scales. So then converting between the two of those as well for liquid. Um, mm. It would, yeah, it would tie in so much learning. It would yeah. make me very happy. And it could, it, it could sort of tie in with some of the things we've discussed earlier in this week, um, because you could think, well, we use milliliters or, or or gallons even and pints and so on um but they might have a completely different system under the sea uh, which which they use and you can maybe see about converting between i don't know a sponge worth or or um, a, a cockle shell worth yeah and yeah. uh yeah trying to <laughs> trying to to make them a language that they can actually communicate uh, through maths mm-hmm. with with those under the sea, the mer people. Can you imagine trying to make a cup of squash under the sea? The dilution <laughs> rate would be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> I like the idea just to um, thinking of shells and things of turning this into sort of a early years investigation. You present children with lots of shells. I think I've got some in my class actually. You know, you collect them um, mm. and just a, a tray of water and just explore capacity that way. Um, which shell holds the most? It would be very open ended. Uh-huh. Very open-ended mm-hmm. investigation, um, not so much with the milliliters and liters. And kiloliters, which if they do exist. They do a exist. A kiloliter is equal to 1,000 liters. Oh, there, there we go. go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of having... Metric system comes through again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the idea of having lots of lots of different shells for the children to play with, with in the water tray and just exploring, you know, which ones hold more of pouring one from one to the other. Um, mm. Yes. The other idea I came up with was to do with time. And again, uh-huh. it's a different kind of measurement and a lot of work goes into converting different ways of measuring time or capacity or length and height. Um, mm. I've written in my notes, no, I can't exactly remember why, but measure six years. Oh, is that there the length of time, time that she the mermaids, was, yeah. She was on yes. land for, yeah. yes. Yeah. Again, how could we convert that into hours, days, minutes, but also uh-huh. as a... Uh, how much of a century is it how much of a decade is it Mm. so with your older children start looking at the place value where you could say it's 0.6 of a decade um Mm. and then that's obviously a decimal it's six tenths of a decade so you bring in your fractions decimals and percentages Mm. knowledge as well to that that would probably it would probably not be more than a like one maths lesson just talking about that just how can we convert time different ways yeah. You know, I was um, talking about this with a, a student myself um, for some of the tutoring work that I do um, just a few days ago. And I think I'm right in saying, and I really hope I am because, you know, students take take what you say as gospel. Uh, I think I'm right Uh-oh. in saying <laughs> that um, time is the only truly universal measurement because everywhere well most places in the world have their own sort of currency um we know that um length is measured differently you know and and the imperial and the metric system but pretty much every country in the world uses hours minutes and seconds am i right 
I would think as so. Far as yeah. I know. Yep, I don't know. They, they kind of have to, don't yeah. they? Because um, so we all have know, to. That's how time in. zones work yeah. and everything. So yeah, that's. Uh, I only mentioned it really because you worried me a moment there, Rob, where you were talking about different ways of measuring time. Oh, but I guess talking about that, you could bring in history as well. Say, um, mm. how was time measured in the past? before mm. clocks and watches were in in the way that we know them now so sand yeah. timers yeah, yeah. candle clocks um water clocks sundials yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. would you measure time using the moon using the lunar cycle mm. um which parts of the world still use lunar cycles for things uh, mm. because they are still used i think um the month of ramadan is yeah I think so yeah decided on the yeah, as is um, the date of Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which affects oh, other it? things like Mother's wondered, Day. And, I always wondered why yeah. the date of Easter changed. <laughs> yeah. Now I've learned something. <laughs> and Mother's Day, well, uh, in the UK, Mother's Day is based on the date of Easter. Okay. So, yeah, uh, it'd also be, be really interesting to see if uh, you could figure out when and why um, they first decided to break it up into 24 hours because I'm pretty sure even with sundials you would have the actual numbers for the 12 portions of of daylight so yeah it'd be really really interesting to know when when abouts that happened yeah yeah I'm afraid and I don't it, know and how it was head. all worked out because yeah <laughs> we take it we take it very much for granted don't we <laughs> actually to, yeah. to for that system to have come into place someone must have done a bit of thinking it's so random as well deciding to divide it into 24 and 24 divide those bits, 24 yeah. into 60 and and 60 again mm-hmm. yeah, very, yeah very random choices yeah. <laughs> maybe set that as a challenge for your uh, classes yeah how, how would they better yeah. divide yeah. up time yeah make or, it more into like tens of units like most things are Just yeah, work, yeah work a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> why do clocks not have all 24 numbers on them yeah well analog yeah. ones yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah lots of learning <laughs> brilliant <laughs> and a bit of confusion as well just to throw that in the mix <laughs> well let's escape that for now by going back down to ages four to seven where there's never any confusion is there helen i spend six hours of each day in a state of confusion so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the 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 maths that you pulled out from the story for us so it was a bit linked to um what i was talking about with english in terms of sea creatures lots of different sea creatures um, mm-hmm. I thought it'd be a nice and opportunity. And the reports. Yes, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it'd be nice to do a bit of data handling with the children um, uh, because they love, you know, if you if you give children a book of sea creatures, they're fascinated by it. If you do any of these natural world type topics, the children love it and they quickly come up with their favourite creature. So I thought they could have a little bit of a, if you could be one of these under the sea creatures, which one would you be? You know, the mermaid mm. decided she wanted to be human. If you were going underwater, which one would you choose? And then do a little bit of data handling, you know, gather the gather the information, do the tally charts, pictograms, bar charts, um, and then going into more into year two, really, the children can sort of answer basic questions about the information. How many mm-hmm. how many children chose to be an octopus? How many cho- how many more children chose to be a shark than an octopus? All of those those data handling questions. Yeah, that was my sort of um, math activity, really. Fantastic. If you presented them with the choice of shark, how many in your class would choose shark as a percentage? I would. There you go. Probably most <laughs> most of them actually. Sharks, <laughs> sharks, and dolphins. I think. 
Although turtles, I think, are the best ones. So, yeah. This um, thinking thinking about it just before we we leave the maths is the Fibonacci sequence something that could pop up here because isn't that related to some of the the undersea creatures with with shells? Is that mm. am I just making all of this up? Tell me more. I was, I was just trying. I'm, I'm sure somewhere I saw um, this kind of spiral that they they've had in, uh, on an under underwater creature I'm trying trying desperately to think of the or remember the name of it i Here don't know i'm afraid mathematicians have learned to use fibonacci sequence to describe certain shapes that appear in nature these shapes are called logarith- logarithmic spirals oh and good nautilus one. shells are just one example you can also ah. see them in spiral galaxies spirals and in many plants such as sunflowers oh that sounds interesting a logarithmic spiral, did you say? Logarithmic yes. spiral. Logarithmic what was the, spiral. What was the name of the a, sea creature? Uh, Nautilus. Yes, that's sort of what I was thinking <laughs> of. <laughs> Sounds like the thoughts are coming together. Yeah, gradually. <laughs> uh, it would be a good investigation for older children, definitely. Hmm. Just to like explore what the sequence is, when it was created, how it works. Um, hmm. I remember... One child who I taught previously in year five on, when was it? It was the 23rd of November. She handed me a, a post-it note saying, happy Fibonacci day. <laughs> so in America, obviously, the date is done the other way around. So it's one, one, two, three. Ah. I was like, yes, good thinking. We're like, We've <laughs> not done anything on the Fibonacci sequence. She just handed me this post-it note <laughs> saying, happy Fibonacci day. I was like, I like the way your brain works. Life in Key Stage 2 is very different from Key Stage 1. <laughs> <laughs> That's sadly all we have time for today, folks. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we've discussed in this podcast, so please find us on social media using at Teach Happily or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. You can also use social media to let us know if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover. We would love to help. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, the young mermaid will help us teach science. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. soon.